You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Hi, guys. All right. It's uh, so awesome to just uh, see the graduation Sunday because it seems like it was just five years ago that, you know, I graduated from middle school and I was standing up there. And it seemed like just one year ago that I was also up there graduating from high school, and now I'm here again, and it's just so awesome to see um, these people graduating. So um, as he introduced, I'm Stephen, for those of you guys who don't know me, and I'm currently a first-year UCLA student. And once upon a time, I went vegan for a month. I said goodbye to any food that had animal products, so meat, cheese, eggs, dairy, basically any good food. And through this one-month endeavor, um, I was asked many, many questions. What were you going to eat? The answer to which, quite frankly, was not much. And how did you survive with no meat? The answer to which also was not well. But the two most important questions were always why and how. Why did you go vegan for a month? And how did you go vegan for a month? For why did I go vegan for a month? Some people might say to protect the planet, to save the animals, to to lose some weight, But if you're me, it was for a bet. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, How did you go vegan for a month? That's a very important question as well. Um, For me, it was eating rice. Um, It was eating more rice. It was eating vegetables, nuts, more rice, and just not meat. And I believe why we do something and how we go about doing it are some of the two most important questions that we have to answer in anything we do. So today, I'll be talking about why we run the race of faith, and how we run the race of faith. Why we run the race of faith, and how we run the race of faith. So some of you guys here today are about to reach the finish line of the long race that was middle school, those three years in high school, those four years, and even college, um, even longer four years. And as you move across the finish line on graduation day, you're about to move into another leg of your journey, whether it's a job, more education, or maybe you just got into the sixth grade, Um, my friends, in which case you've still got a long way to go, keep running. We are all still running. But through all these races that we have as Christians, we are all running that greater race of faith. This is a race that doesn't just end after four years at Westlake or Newbury Park High School. This is a race that will last your lifetime, a race towards sanctification, in which today I'll be talking about being more like Christ and a race towards an eternal crown. This is a race that occurs from justification to glorification and from the moment you are saved to the moment of the grave. So today let's turn to the scripture as Rebecca just read. We'll be reading from Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hands of the throne of God. In the Bible, we have analogies to help explain something spiritual In this case, our walk, our sanctification, with something physical and familiar. 
For example, in Ephesians 6, Paul likens the Christian life to a war. And then in Romans, Paul says that the Christian life is like a marriage. And in today's passage, the author of Hebrews compares the Christian life to a race. So today we're going to try to discover the why and the how of our spiritual walk in terms of an analogy of a race laid out for us in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. So you'll notice the word, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The word race in the Greek is the word agon, from which we get the word agony. That's what this race is. It's agony. This Christian life, this sanctification, it's agony. Now you might be thinking, hold up, you're telling us to to pursue agony? Why? Why why is this race agony? And the answer is because this race isn't just a one-lap jog around the track. This is a race that will require you to push every ounce of your body, every twinkling of your muscles, to push through to the finish line. The Bible shows that we are to pursue Christ's likeness with all of our might, straining every muscle to reach the prize. That is agony. This is a race that requires discipline. This is a race that requires endurance. And if worldly athletes train and endure agony for a perishable crown, how much more do we as Christians endure for an imperishable crown? But knowing why we run makes running less agonizing. It makes running all the more worthwhile, and it makes running more easy. So knowing what we are running towards makes the agony worth it. Now imagine doing anything without a goal in mind. It'd be impossible. With no goals, there's no event. If I went vegan for a month and there was no bet to fulfill, if I went vegan for a month and I wasn't trying to save the animals, or if I wasn't trying to protect the planet, then I'd be suffering, I'd be sacrificing, I'd be not eating meat for a month in agony for nothing. Thus I think it'd be foolish if you don't know what we're running towards. So knowing why we run is paramount in actually running the race. Now the question is, why do we run the race? Paul explains it so well in Philippians 3, 12 to 14. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's it. We run for the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We run this race to win the prize that Christ has already called us to receive. We run this race because it is God's high calling and it's his will. We run this race so that we may live according to the high calling that has been laid out for us in Christ on the cross. In 1 Thessalonians 4.4, 4, um, I know it's kind of small, but bear with me. It says, we run because we have been called to run this race. For this is the will of God that you be sanctified. We run because Christ has called us to run. We run because this is our high calling set by Christ on the cross. So let's see what we run towards. In 1 Corinthians, we run for the eventual imperishable crown of life. In 1 Peter, we run for inheritance, incorruptible and undefiled. In Revelation, we run for the ability to one day stand before the throne of God, before the face of God, unblemished. And in Habakkuk, we run for the joy and hope of salvation. In Philippians, we run for the prize that is Christ Jesus. 
We run for eternal life, and we run for the goal of being Christ-like. That's why we run. We run because this is our calling, and we run because Christ has already run this race for us. Now, one thing to note, we run this race not to save ourselves, but because we have already been saved. I'm going to repeat that. We run this race not because we want to save ourselves, but because we have already been saved. We run because it is God's good and perfect will that we be sanctified, not so that we will reach God by being sanctified. Running this race cannot save us. Rather, as I said, it is Christ who has already ran this race for us, and he has already received the prize, and now we run towards that prize with which Christ has allotted for us. And again, we run this race because we have been saved. We can endure agony because we can see our goal. The title of this message today is not running the race for the eternal crown. It's not running for something. It's running towards something. Running for something implies that you're earning something. That this race that you have in front of us, it's, it's, you're earning the prize because of your race. You're running. Rather, I'm saying we're running towards something that has already been allotted to us something that has been allotted to us on the cross through Christ. So now knowing why we run the race, we must know how we run the race. So earlier I said knowing why we run and how we run are the two most important things. So now we're going to go into how we run the race. The first one is by remembering the saints. Um, in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... You'll notice in verse 1 it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Again, earlier, this race is a marathon. This isn't just one lap around the track. This race is agony. So we're going to need discipline. We're going to need endurance because this race will not be easy. So we're going to explore by remembering the saints how to run this race. So if you're going to take notes, if you guys are taking notes, uh, there's going to be three main points. How to run the race. Uh, First is by remembering the saints. Second is by removing the weight and repenting from sins. And third, it's by rejoicing in the Savior. So first, by remembering the saints, by removing the weight slash repenting from sins. And third, by rejoicing in the Savior. So the first point is by remembering the saints. You'll notice at the beginning of Hebrews 12, it says the word, therefore, And I don't think it's a coincidence that the author of Hebrews places this passage immediately after the hall of faith found in Hebrews 11. In it, we remember those who before us who held fast to the gospel, who held fast to their faith in all situations and in all tribulations. We have real people facing real trials, clinging to real faith. James 5.17 writes, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. In the scripture, we have real people, people before us, who have faced real trials that we face, yet they clung to real faith. So we see Moses, Abraham, and Samson. We see Noah, Jacob, and Isaac. We see Enoch, David, and the prophets, and many others. We see these fathers of our faith who, by faith, persevered in the race of faith. In order to run the race, we must remember that those who ran the race before us completed it. I think it's hard to do anything, um, anything at all, if you don't know if it's doable or possible. 
there's a degree of encouragement knowing that what you're doing has been done before. I think, you know, the first person to climb Mount Everest, you're just like, dang, I don't know if I can do this. But, you know, if you're the hundredth person to climb Mount Everest, you're like, all right, there's 99 people before me. I know how to do it. I know the, the pitfalls that they've faced. I know the routes that are the best to take. Knowing the people that have gone before you is such an encouragement in continuing that path. There's a degree of encouragement knowing that what you're doing is doable and has been done before. Now, why is this important? Um, I think as you run, uh, as you're Christians, you are all still running. You're going to encounter obstacles, struggles, temptations that might discourage you. But we have such a rich display of encouragement from the lives of those who ran it before us. Personally speaking, um, in my first year of college, there has been so many times where everything just seemed to go wrong with my life. Um, I thought I was a good student, and then I came to college. Uh, I was failing midterms left and right, and it's not like a high school fail, fail where if you get like an A- minus or a B-, minus, you're like, my life is over. I was getting like way below the curve on a curved class median thing. I don't know. It was just rough. I was just like, man, my life is over. I'm struggling. I'm like way down here. I'm not going to pass. And then everything that I was thought was so pivotal in defining who I was, just everything seemed to be going wrong for me. Yet my small group leader pointed me to scripture. He showed me the fervent cry of Habakkuk. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. That is faith. And that was the encouragement that I needed so, so badly. For me, I was like, man, I'm struggling. I'm losing everything that I thought was so important. Yet for Habakkuk, he's facing an imminent invasion by the Chaldeans and everything that he's considering normal in his life. The fig trees, the olives, these things are things that sustain life back then. They're all about to vanish. Yet, rather than mellow in his sorrows, Habakkuk rejoices in God because he sees that God alone is the Savior and God alone is his strength. Through the story of Habakkuk, I was so encouraged and I realized that my life, my joy, does not depend on the things of this world that are always fleeting. Rather, I was reminded to depend on God alone who, as Habakkuk says, makes our feet like the feet of the deer and allows us to tread on the high places. Even when everything around us seems to be falling apart, we can have faith that God will be faithful in his promise for salvation for us. And I think as Christians, we need to be reminded of this more often, especially here at CCCTO, because I knew I needed this reminder. Um, I think too often we think that we're alone in our trials. We think, man, I'm going through something that no one has ever faced before. I'm going through an obstacle. I'm going through a pitfall. I'm going through temptations that are unique to me. Yet looking back, we can be so warmly encouraged to, be, to know that those who ran it before us have felt the same problems, have felt the same trials, have avoided the same pitfalls. And we can look to them as an encouragement. Because Habakkuk felt my pain before I felt my pain. And he felt it way worse. Yet through it all, he was still faithful in God, in his faith. So how do we, CCCTO, practically run this race? How do we pursue sanctification amidst the difficulties that this race has to offer, amidst the agonies of this race. 
Well, it's by remembering the saints before us. Now you might ask, how do we remember the saints? It's a good question. Very good question. And I'm going to give you a very simple, simple answer. Read the Bible. That's it. Read the Bible. If you're going to stay awake and say, and listen to me for one thing, it's this. Read the Bible. Read God's word. And you will be so warmly and richly encouraged. If you want to run and run well, read the Bible. That's it. I heard it so many times when I was sitting in the pews. I heard it. You need to read the Bible. If you want to grow, read the Bible. Yet I never read the Bible. I just turned the pages, but I wasn't reading. You'll be, just, you'll be amazed. The Bible, that's it. That's all you need to be encouraged in this walk, in this run, in this agony that is the Christian life. So we are so blessed to have the scripture in front of us, to be able to look back and see how real people handle real trials with real faith. Whether it's the fervent cry of Habakkuk or the encouragement, encouragements of Paul who suffered and endured all for the cross, the Bible guides us in persevering in this race. The author of Hebrews says it so well when he says, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. We are surrounded. If you open the Bible, you'll see so many stories of real people who have clung to their faith. And not only that, we have the saints found in Scripture, but we can also look to and be encouraged by our fellow Christians. The people sitting next to you, elders, your pastors, your leaders, these are men and women who are running the race ahead of you. And, you know, because they're running the race ahead of you, they know what's ahead. They felt, they've felt the hurdles and the obstacles. They've seen all that's in, behind them, and they, they've gone over it. They've endured. They've seen the difficulties, yet they've pushed on. So look to them for encouragement. Look to them for inspiration. And surround yourself with so great a cloud of witnesses so that you can continue running past the trials, past the temptations, and past the pitfalls to Christ. Now the second point on how to run the race is by removing the weights and by repenting from sin. Running was the oldest and most important sport in ancient Greece and Rome. So we're talking about BCs now. The athletes would physically train their bodies practicing daily for the prize of the reef. In 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, it says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it, and everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, and we an imperishable crown. The athletes back then would pour their blood, their sweat, and their tears to earn an earthly and perishable crown. And when it came to the race, um, these runners would run naked and barefoot. Now there are a multitude of reasons why they might go about doing this, but one that's very obvious is that when you run naked, um, I've never done it before, but I trust that when you run naked, you remove anything, literally anything, that is of any weight. You're removing your clothes. Any ounce of clothing is taken away. Um, Olympic runners today, they don't run in jeans or cotton sweaters, or hopefully, I hope they don't. Rather, they wear the bare minimum in order to remove anything that would be the cause of holding them back from pushing their bodies in anguish to the finish line. So I want to give that imagery here. I established earlier that we're running a race that is a race of agony. This is a marathon, and I've never ran a marathon, but I've run five miles before. And you're going to need endurance. So we're going to need to shave off any weight, anything 
that holds us down in order to press forward towards the goal. This race, again, is agony. So one way to make it less agonizing is to, one way to make the race more bearable is to lay aside every weight. In Hebrews, it says, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The author of Hebrews knows that these weights, these sins, they stop us and they stop our endurance from running this race. Now you might, you might be asking, um, what are these weights? Well, notice the author differentiates between weight and sin. The author says, aside every weight and sin. Um, a weight isn't necessarily a sin, but it is anything that holds us back from running the race. So I'll reiterate, a weight isn't a sin, but it is anything that holds us back from running the race. Now granted, uh, a weight can become a sin, but weights are things in our lives that weigh us down spiritually. Um, I know for me, I have a lot of these weights. It can be our careers, it can be our grades, it can be our sports, our clubs, they can even be our relationships. These are things that slowly hold us back from pushing with all our might towards the finish line. Um, I used to run a little bit, not really, kind of. I ran like three times at UCLA because I thought I needed to exercise. And on one time, I ran around the perimeter. Um, it's like a 5 to 3.5 mile run, depending on what you like to guesstimate. But one thing about running the perimeter is that there's a lot of endurance for me, at least. Um, I'm not a long-distance runner. And, you know, once I got to the third, um, third mile, I'm just like, man, you really begin to feel the weight. Those extra LBs, those uh, late-night chicken tenders, they really begin to add up. You begin to feel, man, I wish I could just shave off a couple pounds because it's really weighing you down. And that's exactly what the author of Hebrews is trying to, to show us, that every extra ounce on your body those, those weights, they, they slow you down from reaching the ends. Thus, I think it makes sense that the author of Hebrews warns us and commands us to lay aside these weights. You know, hey, if you want to run this race, if you want to run this race with endurance, you're going to want to lay these things aside that are going to stop you. Now, notice one thing. The weights, they weigh you down. Sure, you can continue pushing through. I did, you know, when I ran the perimeter. I was like, man, I'm, I'm really slow, losing it. I still, I still push through. But what does sin do? You'll look, it says, the sin which clings so closely. Or in other translations, it says, the sin which entangles us. It entangles us. That's what sin does. Weights weigh us down, but sin entangles us. It holds us down. It traps us in guilt and in sorrow. And that's the deceit of sin. It stops us from wholeheartedly pursuing God. And that's why the author of Hebrews so earnestly commands us to lay it aside. Hey, if you want to run the race, lay aside these things that will stop you from running the race. Don't let sin enter your life. Now, I want to bring up an important discussion. Um, sin has no power over you as a Christian because we have that promise that Christ atoned for the sins of the world through the cross. And we are no longer slaves to our sin because of the cross. However, we still need to repent of our sins. We need to lay these sins aside. So how do we go about doing it? James explains it in James 5, 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. 
And then 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from unrighteousness. CCCTO, sin can only hold us down if we don't repent from it. So please, 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 don't let your sin remain hidden. Don't let your sin remain hidden. Do not let another day where you let your sin remain in darkness. In the scripture, we have that guarantee that Christ will be faithful to forgive us. It says right there in 1 John 1, 9, God is a forgiving God, and he is a God who keeps to his promise. He is faithful. So do not let your sin remain hidden. Otherwise, you'll be trapped. Otherwise, you'll be stopped, and you won't be able to to push with all your might to this race. Now, one thing I'm saying is that you don't need to be perfectly sinless. That's obviously what we're running and striving towards. I think it'd be hard to say, you know what, the second you become a Christian, you are perfectly sinless. Rather, I'm saying don't let sin remain a habit in your life. Don't let sin remain hidden in your hearts. We need to confess our sins. If we're struggling with pride, talk to someone. If we're struggling with pornography, talk to someone. If you're struggling with depression, talk to someone. And if you're struggling in sin, talk to someone, please. Because God promises that he is faithful to forgive our sins. Flee from sin and don't let sin stop you in your race towards an eternal crown. Don't let sin have an entrance entrance into your life. My friend in my small group once told me that don't flirt with the devil because he will for sure text back. So to recap, if you want to endure in this race, if you want to reach the ends, you're going to need to lay aside every weight. If you want to push through in this agonizing race, if you want to reach the ends towards that prize, lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin. And the third point in how to run the race is rejoicing in the Savior. This is found in verse 2. And if you were to take any point, any one point from today, I want it to be this point. If you were to take and apply one area from today, it would be this. This point is rejoicing in the Savior. Rejoicing, beholding, and looking to Jesus is the key to our spiritual walk. Why? Well, Jesus is both the why we run and the how to run. He is the reason why we run with all our might, because he endured the cross so that we may pursue a relationship with God. And his life is a perfect example of how to live. This example is the biggest encouragement that any of us can have. By beholding Jesus, we can run with the race with joy, and we can run the race with encouragement. So why do we look to Jesus? Why does the author of Hebrews tells us, tell us to to look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, it's because he was the perfect runner. He is our perfect model, and he is the perfect example to remember. Jesus experienced every temptation known to man, yet he endured it all to the point of the cross. Jesus was scorned by his enemies, he was hated by the Pharisees, and he was mocked by the Romans yet he endured and loved to the point of the cross. We are to look at his holy life, to his patience, in his perseverance in his trials, and his trust and faith in his Father 
And we are to be encouraged by that in our race. Moreover, Jesus is our goal. I think the author of Hebrews also says, look to Jesus. Because when you're running this race, Jesus is that goal. And I don't know about you, but whenever you're running a race, you want to know where the finish line is. No one ever runs the race looking down at their feet, running to the left or to the right. You're looking towards the goal, and you're pressing on towards that goal. Jesus is our goal as Christians. Becoming more Christ-like. That's what sanctification is. And if your goal is to be more like Christ, well, I better hope that you know who Christ is. I better hope that you know who this Christ is and how he lived. So thus, the author of Hebrews says, hey, if you're going to run this race of endurance, this race that God has called us to run, lay aside the weight, lay aside the sin, and look to the finish line. Seeing the finish line um, just makes running so much more easy. I know when I went on the perimeter, I was like, man, really feel it. But once you get to the 3.5 mile mark, once you reach the end of the perimeter, you're like, I can see the finish line. And you begin to push yourself. You're like, I can do this. I have reached the end. This is the author of Hebrews. He encourages us. We need to look to Christ as we run. We need to look to the finish line. Now, why is this so important? If we were to behold Jesus, then we, CCCTO, would read the Bible more. We would want to know who this Jesus is. We would want to know how he lived. And if we were to behold Jesus, we would join together in fellowship with his body, with his believers. If we were to behold Jesus, we would confess our sins because we would know that we have a great high priest who intercedes, and we would know that he paid it all on the cross. Thus rejoicing in the Savior, looking unto Jesus is paramount for our Christian walk. The author of Hebrews also says, in the end of verse 2, or middle, that Jesus is the author and perfecter of our faith. The word author in the Greek, archagon, which means beginner, translates as the source, the cause of anything. The author of Hebrews is essentially saying Jesus is the cause, he is the source of our faith. Not only is he the cause and the source of our faith, he is the finisher of our faith. Archegon also means to lead, to bring, to drive. Thus, Jesus leads us through this walk. He leads us through this race. He leads us through the agony, and he brings us to the end. Jesus is both the beginner of our faith, and he is the one who will bring it to completion. Now, I, I didn't really think too much about this, but the more I read about it, the more I realized how encouraging that is for me. Why? Well, it's because no matter what doubts, no matter what difficulties, no matter what trials, no matter what pitfalls that I may face alongside this race, and believe me, there will be many of those, it is great comfort knowing that it is Christ, and Christ alone, who created, will watch, and will sustain my faith. What does that mean? It means that I am a sinner through and through. I will fail, and I will continue to stumble along this race. But oh, am I so, so glad that my faith is not authored and founded by me, a sinner. Our faith is founded, is authored, and perfected by Christ Jesus. And that for me is is so encouraging, knowing that I may fail and I will fail, 
but it's Christ who ran this race for me. And now I'm pressing on towards the, the prize with which Christ has earned for me. And now I'm going to end with where I started in verse 1. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I want to draw your attention to just two words there. Let us. Let us. Let us join the race. The author of Hebrews is writing this book to the Jews and the Jewish Christians. And the author is calling for them to join the race. The author is saying, all right, guys, I've already told you guys so much how as Christians we have this covenant that is fulfilled. As Christians, we have the high priest in the order of Melchizedek. And as Christians, we have a sacrifice, atonement that is forever. It is not temporal. And he's saying, hey, get in the race. The author is calling for for everybody to join in the race. But the author is not just writing to the Jew. The author is also writing to the Christian, encouraging them on how to run. By laying aside every weight, by laying aside the weights and sin, and by clinging to Jesus, looking and rejoicing the cross. My prayer today is that for those of you who have yet to begin the race, that you may start this race of faith, that you'll place your faith in Christ who, as we've said multiple times, paid it all on the cross. Our God is a God of love who loves each and every one of you. And he loved it to the point of enduring the cross, taking our sins upon that cross so that we may pursue a relationship with Christ. And my prayer for you today is that you may run this race towards an eternal crown that does not perish, that does not fade, and is incorruptible. My prayer today for those of you who are running, run it well. Run with endurance. Run with perseverance and run with joy knowing that you're running towards Christ. This race is hard. This race is agony. It's not easy. There will be trials. There will be obstacles. And there will be many difficulties along the way. But my prayer for you is that you run, and you run towards Christ, laying aside every weight, laying aside every sin, and looking towards the Savior. And my prayer today is that one day, when we reach the finish line, We don't get a diploma or a high-paying job. My prayer is that when we reach the finish line, we can say, as Timothy did, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And we'll go into a word of prayer now. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you so much for your cross. Thank you so much for being the author and perfecter of our faith. And thank you for running the race ahead of us and being the encouragement for us, Lord. Thank you for allowing us to be able to press on towards you, towards being like you, Lord. And I pray, Lord, thank you so much for your gospel. Thank you so much for your grace, your love, and your mercy upon the cross that you would save sinners like us, Lord. So I pray, Lord, that you let us join in this race, Lord. I pray, Lord, that for those of you who are not in the race, that we enter into this race towards Christ, towards that eternal crown that is imperishable, that is unfading, 
And I pray, Lord, for those of us who are running the race, that we run it well, that we run with endurance, and we run with perseverance towards you. Thank you so much for being the author and perfecter of our faith. And thank you for being faithful even when we are not. I pray all of this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen.